The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A lot of people live in denial because they think that to be realistic is to be depressing. I'm Dr. Mike, host of Going There. It was the first song where I wrote about how... I felt like my depression was killing me and I didn't want it. Going There breaks the stigma of mental health issues by having real honest conversations with your favorite musicians, including Alessia Cara, Lizzie Hale, Jewel, Jason Isbell, Gerard Way, Lauren Gray, Shamir, and Barty Strange. There was something there that was so raw where I was like, wow, I can't believe someone would say that. Let's go there on Going There with Dr. Mike, brought to you by Sound Mind Live and the Consequence Podcast Network every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. What is up, everyone, and welcome into episode 82 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com, and my co-host will be joining us shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. It's going to be a bit of a rushed podcast because later today I'm heading off to England. I'll be giving a clinic on Saturday, March 5th at the Phoenix Theater in Leeds. I hope to see you guys all out there. The clinic starts at 7 p.m. Once we get all caught up, Mike and I will be talking about our featured artist, and that is the late, great Clyde Stubblefield. In our education section, Mike and I will talk about double-stroke rolls. How do you speed them up and most importantly how do you improve your clarity in our gear review section mike will be checking out the istanbul mehmet x-ray special effects symbols we'll get to your listener questions and as always we'll give you our picks of the week so let's get started good morning good morning good morning hot dog (laughs) all it takes is a half a bagel and you are on fire no sleep and a half a bagel and some coffee and i'm good to go some coffee. <laughs> sleep is for kids. Kids sleep. Men work. Women work. How are you, bud? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, yeah? despite the fact that I was you know, didn't get too much rest this week, but I'm good. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Gigging? I did. I gigged um, Sunday. Actually, there's something I wanted to talk about. The um, we'll do a more full review on those Evans heads in a later episode when okay. when the re- print review comes out. But yeah. I was a host for this open mic jam thing on Sunday, and I took my kit with those heads on it. Knowing These are the UV ones? Yeah, the UV ones. Like yep. It's like new s- process of coating or whatever. Silk screen coating, yep. Okay. Um, and I knew there was going to be some knuckleheads playing in my kit. So, <laughs> and, this, and one guy delivered the goods. I mean, he went up there and wailed, <laughs> wailed, like knocked the bass drum off the pedal, like the whole thing. Right, uh, like, and, sweet. and when finally when they were done, you know, I was just laughing, and the guys in the band were like, "Man, aren't you like offended that he destroyed your kit?" I'm like, "No, I actually brought this kit to see what he would do to it, see what someone would do to it." Right, and, and the heads are like brand new, like he didn't even touch them. So, really, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it's not a fair durability test. He only played for about 25 minutes, but, but those still 25 he was going minutes, in. he had bad technique digging into the heads. I mean. And just, aren't these single ply heads? Yeah, just like a single ply coated head. Dang. But yeah, not even a single mark, no dents, no dirt, nothing. They look brand new, so it's kind of cool. So initial results are they are pretty darn sturdy. Wow, look at that! <laughs> and you got to use the word knucklehead in a podcast. <laughs> that is so. I mean, I don't know, Wally Cleaver of you. Every drummer joke kind of went through my head while these dudes are playing. <laughs> That's so rad. And they're all listening to the podcast right now. I hope not. I really hope not. And you know what? The best part is they are going like, yeah, I remember that guy he's talking about. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I'm not knucklehead. You know, that's awesome. But, I mean, it was fine. I mean, it's just it's an open mic, so you expect people to just have fun, and, it, and I don't I don't expect Absolutely. the people with the most professional touch to play because it's an open mic. Otherwise, they would yeah, be gigging and, on their own. And there are times in open mics too where somebody that honestly doesn't really even play anymore gets kind of pushed by their family members or their friends. Like, get up there, you used to play drums. Yeah, it's exactly. like, all right, I'll give it a go. Yeah, I've got enough pops in me. I'll go do it. And then the so, animal yeah, comes like, out. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Mark and Keith Carlock are sitting in the audience like, okay, I'll go take my 15 now. Um, and then did you use a new snare for that too? 
I did. Uh, John Cross Drums. They've been at NAM a few times. I think it's just a one-man operation. But he um, he had this really awesome ebony drum at the show, stage okay. show ebony drum. So he sent it to me to review, and I took it to I took it to the session on Sunday, and I also took it to like a super loud gig on Thursday where nothing was mic'd up, but it was like full on modern rock, you know, assault. Um, and it's sound- you know. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I just asked. Do you know? Is this the dude that makes the drum that Todd Zuckerman plays? Oh, I don't know. It's I think it's J A J O N. Cross. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at him right now. JohnCrossCustomDrums.com. Yeah. Yep. I I just it looks really familiar to something that Todd was playing for a while. So not I that if... not that Stainbridge drum. That might oh, be that's right. That's what it was. Similar, okay. similar, like real kind of classy. Yeah, I mean looking. it's just super classy. It's gorgeous. It's got the pinstripes. Yeah. <clears throat> nice man. So, yeah. so you took the ebony, the ebony, ebony which is a really hard wood. I knew it was going to be loud. Um, I knew it would have potential to be really loud. Sure. Uh, and it sounded like that snare drum was mic'd up, even in this. We were in kind of like a big, really big room with no. I mean, it was like a PA on a stick, and the singers just screaming through that. The only thing coming through the PA is just the singer screaming through it. And the amps are cranked, and I'm having to just like crush the drums. Right. But it felt like the snare was amplified. I mean, it was like like had reverb on it, like naturally. Wow. Pretty pretty awesome. So I took that to that gig, and it was a ton of fun. And then I took it to the session, and it was the same thing. Like. I didn't have to – it wasn't, like, so harsh that I didn't, didn't want to hit it. It was just, like, a good, right. comfortable, powerful sound. Nice. Really cool. So stay drums. And was it the 14 by 6.5? Yeah. I don't know if it's – does he have a shot of it on his site? He probably does. It was kind I of like it, his yeah, it crown says, jewel. Uh, uh, Macassar Garboon Ebony. That's probably it. Let me take a look. <laughs> Uh, custom snare. Where you? Where'd you find it? It's the one in the top left. If you go, yep. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. And Boom. he he sent it with diecast and triple flange. I think I just used the triple flange, and it was it was pretty awesome. So if you're looking for a boutique um, stave shell drum, which stave shell drums have tons of power, um, this guy this thing delivered. It's a lot of fun. Nice man, that's awesome. And oh wait. The top left, so it's the Leopardwood Jara Ebony? I think so. I'll have to open up my email and find out. <laughs> but, Sorry, I was just I was uh, just looking for the darkest drum I could find, so I went straight to the Macassar Ebony. Either way. It um, is. It is. It is. Yeah, what is it, Mike? It's the, um, I don't know if it's on his site, but it's like a dark brown kind of chocolatey looking drum. Mm-hmm. Six and a half by 14. There you go. Yeah. That's awesome, man, and and I mean honestly, for how custom and gorgeous these things are, the prices are pretty good too. So yeah, top they're, right, that's the wor- one. Top right. If top you go right. to his okay, custom yeah. snares link on johncrosscustomdrums.com, it's the top right. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's the Macassar Ebony um, twelve ninety five. Man, for that drum's not bad. I no. Mean, that's, that's where I would expect it to. That's where I would hope it to be. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes you see a little. Twenty six ninety two, and I'm like, are you sure? It's a lot of money. Um, yeah, I mean, I would put it on. I would put it on. I would expect on par with the power of a bell brass drum. Like it was just nice. It was nuts, and and you know, just yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, and it's again, it's, I like I like when one one man shops are just doing really cool stuff. So this is a cool another man. one to check out. <clears throat> so anyway, cool. that's that. Mm-hmm. And another big news in modern drummer world is we finally soft launch the digital archive through the website so you can access 40 plus years of modern drummer content in its entirety wow. on our website now wow yeah so it's a subscription-based thing so i think it's like five bucks a month if you just oh, wow, want to access awesome. the archive or you can add it to your your current subscription uh, there's various different programs but the really the cool part is you can go onto that site, which is moderndrummer.com backslash archive, and you can read three complete articles for free. So anything you want, you can just pick something, read the entire thing. You cool. can share it. You can you know, do whatever you want to do. You get three of them for free, and then you have to subscribe. But so Yeah, that's awesome. It's pretty cool. Think, uh, Long time coming. We've been waiting to finally get this happening for years, but it's, it's a lot of work. How do you get? The, I mean, I don't understand how you get the old ones in there. Do you have to scan the actual pages? Like, well, from, there's there's the PDFs are there, so you can like literally look at the magazine um, PDF form. But 
the guys have had to literally copy and paste all the text into web posts and format it correctly. I was going to say, I mean, 30 years ago, it's not like you did any of this digitally, so you wouldn't no. have anything to was, go by. You just was, have the. I mean, have you ever tried to copy text out of an old PDF? It's, yeah. It's a nightmare. You get, like, tons of returns and random spaces and question yeah. marks and things. Wow. So, yeah, they've been working their butts off. They had the copy and paste every every article. Not, I mean, not every article was in there. We don't have, like, news and stuff from 1982. Sure. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's not really too relevant. But all the features and things are there. So, yeah, they've been working their butt off. So it's there. So we're hoping uh, everyone can go check it out. And I'd, I would like some feedback from some of our listeners. Just go on there, explore, moderndrummer.com yeah. backslash archive. Let us know if you find any bugs or anything. Because, like I said, this is kind of a soft launch just for – our current subscribers and a little bit of uh, social media promotion, but it's pretty cool. So I was able to share the entire Shannon Farst cover story that I wrote a couple years ago, That's which awesome. we've never done before. We've never opened our content up like that before. Right. Um, so it's exciting. Good times here. We're excited. good, man. That's awesome. I'm excited for you guys. Yeah. So. I will check it out. Maybe I can, uh, maybe I'll pay for the internet on the flight to England today. <laughs> yeah. I'll right. Check it out. So what's yeah. the, what's it a festival a clinic? What is it? No, it's uh well, it was supposed to be like a 10-day trip, and then uh, the fine folks at, uh, what's it called, Music Mesa shut it down. It was weird. Mm. I, don't, I don't really understand. I still, don't, I still didn't get the full story. Wait a minute, what? Um, yeah, so, so it started off with this place called Crash Drum School in Leeds saying, hey, we'd like to bring you in. They've had Benny and Annika and Yost and everyone said, we want to bring you in. And I said, oh, okay, great. And when somebody brings you in, and they're the first ones... They agree to get you there and to get you home. The date range doesn't mean anything to them because they're just paying for you to get there and get home. Yeah. So I said, okay, cool. Um, then let's extend it. Just make my flight home 10 days later after I get there. I'll fill in the rest of the dates, do, you know, London Drum Shop and um, or Bell Percussion. I'll, I'll, you know, and maybe jump over to Ireland and to uh, Scotland real quick. And then, uh, yeah, I got word from uh, Music Mesa that they were. I, I don't know. What, I don't even know how it came to us, but it was kind of like, "Hey, you're playing all four days of Music Mesa. Can you not do anything else leading up to it?" Um, huh. Kind of like the way you wouldn't want a band to do a, a bar gig the night before their arena show, you know? And it's like huh. uh, in the same town. And so, so yeah. So then I had to call the guy back. So like, I'm literally going to England to do. Um, Two master classes and a clinic at the at this uh, place called the Phoenix Theater in Leeds. So, if any of you guys, if any of you listeners are going to be in uh, anywhere near Leeds, uh, I think it's actually in Castleford is the actual town. But I'll be at the Phoenix Theater on Saturday night uh, at seven p.m. Please come out and hang, man! Like this literally is going to be my only trip to England or London or anywhere around there for the entire year. Um, so, so yeah, so come on out, but so yeah, I'm just going to go do that. And then I come back, I'll be back on Sunday night. So wait, you're not doing Mesa? No, I am. Uh, (laughs) so Mesa, they were the ones that just said, so what was going to happen was I was going to make a 10 day trip out of this. And then they said, if you could not do all those other clinics you were going to do, we'd appreciate that. Um, but it, which was still weird to me. I'm like, would anybody not go to Music Mesa because I did a clinic in Ireland? Like, I don't think so. That's kind of weird. I don't either. Yeah, it's so. So I haven't. And obviously, there's a buffer between me and them as far as it's all going through Amber and Norbert at Minel. So I, I really don't know exactly what happened. Um, it seems it still seems kind of weird to me. But I really want to play Mesa because it's myself, Annika, Chris Coleman. Yoast, and so it's like, uh, and I've never been to Music Mesa, so mm-hmm. it's like, whatever you guys say, I'm down. So I'm sure it was just some, maybe just something lost in translation. We'll see. But so, either way, I'm I'm happy to do both. So you're flying home and then flying back. Like when well, is Mesa? Mesa's in like another month. I really don't understand why they would not want you to do these clinics. I really don't either, man. <laughs> and I'm trying to be super nice about it. <laughs> You know that if uh, this wasn't a podcast, then I'd be like, what in the funky drummer is going on? Let me get my clinics in, man. I need to get some reps. If you want me to play good, i got to get some reps in. That's abusive. That's really abusive, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Who's behind this? Because I met the people from Mesa at NAMM, and they were like the sweetest people ever. Like crazy sweet. So it wasn't like this weird... 
you know, you can't do clinic. They were super nice. So I'm just hoping something got lost in translation. That's my hope. Oh. Uh, either way, I'm happy to do both. And I'm super stoked about the clinic on Saturday because I'm hitting the stride of I don't give a hoot. <laughs> uh, like, I just want to play. I just oh, want to cool. play my ass off. And I'm having so much fun. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, I don't know. There's this little bit of nate smith's videos kind of entering my head of just like just go for it man just go in and and don't be scared of space like uh, i put up a video on uh instagram which was no space every note that i knew all at once (laughs) just barfing drums but what was happening right before that was the complete opposite of like okay i'm just gonna kind of the way that keith carlock with wayne krantz will just change tempos with no signal or anything Mm -hmm. just like new tempo I'm not trying to glue things together. Uh, JP talked about that at our last camp where in his soloing, he's like, I'm not transitioning from one tempo to the next with anything that connects it. I just make a decision, new tempo. I'm sick of being here. And he just goes for it. And as long as you do it with full commitment and it's not in a musical setting, it's in a drum solo setting, it works fine. Uh, It's more about you committing to it. So anyways, uh, I'm really excited just to go there. And I haven't had a clinic that wasn't a festival in years, man, everything has been festivals, and there's just this mm. added pressure of all the pro drummers standing on the side of the stage. So to have a clinic come up where I'm like, dude, I'm just the only one here. This, I, I'm, I'm not as scared to fail. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's cool. If it goes bad, it's like, dude, we're family. Let's. I, I'm not worried about Dennis <clears throat> judging me. Um, and I think really what people want is the educational stuff anyway. So exactly, that's why I'm there. Yeah. Um, so what's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So yeah, so I'm really excited to do that. So it should be fun. Is there a well, is there a warm up act yeah. for you? No, it's just you. No, just just whatever I put on my iPad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll put some some horrible out of time terrible drumming on in the in the house for like an hour, just so when I come out, people are like, oh, thank goodness. Oh, um, or maybe just some like slow <clears throat> hymns mm. with no drums whatsoever. That'll, They're just so excited. That'll set the vibe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, talking about education, double <clears throat> stroke roll, that dang thing. Yes. It, you know, you feel like you learn it the day you start playing drums and you feel 30 years later that you still can't do it. It's a, it's a biscuit, man. Um, how old were you when you started working on your double stroke roll? Oh, man, fifth grade, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, to say that I really was getting into it not until uh, eighth grade at the earliest. I mean, really feeling like I wasn't just flopping the sticks down. Well, let me ask you this. Did you – because I felt like I got held back in my role by my band teacher because he he didn't have the time to teach me a proper double stroke role. So he let me do baby bouncies or what I call mm-hmm. pinkies out doubles because he needed it done – by the recital time, you know, yeah, and yeah. and it was going to take two years for me to develop real doubles. So I thought I was doing doubles because I played snare drum in school band before I played drum set. And when I got to the drum mm. set and tried to do a double stroke roll on my floor tom with my pinkies out and my baby bounces, <laughs> it was like, wait a minute, what happened? Like, I and then I then I made it. It wasn't. It still didn't even click for me. I was in fourth and fifth grade. So then it was like, 
man, I got to get that snare at school. That one's great. Oh, I can right. rip on that one. <laughs> the super tight, you know, student Ludwig. Um, so, yeah. So I, I feel like I got this two to three year grace period of just bouncing out my doubles and assuming they were working mm-hmm. before it really mm-hmm. hit me that like, oh, that's not what the pros are doing. They actually are muscling out each note. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, there is finesse there for sure. But I can allow for rebound and finesse on the snare and the hi-hat. But when I start to make it over to the toms, I'm going to have to muscle them out a little bit more. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. I think that's the the number one question I get asked is, you know, how can I how can I improve my double circle roll? And I'm like, there is no secret answer. I mean, you have nope. to you have to spend so time. much time developing those muscles. And and I. You know, I have to be very thankful that starting in sixth grade, we had a percussion specialist who came to all the middle schools and taught just the percussionist for like 45 minutes every, you know, once a week or maybe once every two weeks. That's awesome. So we worked through the Alfred Drum Method book, and that has all the rudiments in there. And he was he was able to really make sure that we were paying attention to our roles and stuff. But it was once I got into marching band, I mean, that's 90% of what you're practicing is your double strokes. I mean, it's because everything about at least the, that contemporary style of rudimental drumming is about a double stroke roll so yeah. I, I couldn't even i couldn't even guess how many hours i've woodshedded the double stroke roll over 20 years oh 25. yeah no, I, can't I mean even, it's, I can't even guess thousands it's thousands and yeah. thousands of hours uh, so i think it's and it's still currently dave weckle's warm-up yeah. he says he warms up with doubles just you know quiet to loud slow to fast that's it yeah and it's like a and what i've realized is it's like a balance between muscling out with your wrist letting the fingers help and then also utilizing the rebound it's really kind of hard for me to break it down to someone it's right kind of like you have to just like the buzz roll where i can show you and tell you but you have to put your hands on the sticks and get get the feel for it sure. i think a good double stroke roll kind of floats it's kind of weightless Absolutely. And it, it looks effortless, but it's there's a ton of effort being. It's just like a ballet dancer. Like when you look at on the stage, it look graceful. But if you would look at them up close and all the muscle fibers, I mean, they're they're really engaged, right? I think it's the same. I, thing I've always seen it like roll. a like a boxing speed bag. Mm. If you it, once it's going, it looks like it's just just flowing, right? But there's so much work and precision that goes into making it look like that. Yeah. And as soon as you have one misstep, the whole thing falls apart. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. know, the one thing that's great about doubles compared to all the other rudiments is that it doesn't take a lot of brain power. There's not a lot of pattern recognition. It only takes you a few days to realize it's two hits per hand. Yeah. Paradiddle. That's it's the opposite. It's like you know, single, single, double, single, single, double, lead, right, lead, left. It, it's all yeah. over the map yeah. in comparison. Uh, but with the double stroke roll, it's like two hits per hand. But, you know, one thing you can do for those of you guys that are practicing this is really, really get your hands as loose as you can and play your doubles. Then do the complete opposite. Grip the sticks like you're going to kill them and try to just muscle it out with the wrist and understand the magic is somewhere between those two. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know anybody that does fully flexed hands, all wrist doubles. And I don't really enjoy anybody that's got their pinkies flared out and they're just <laughs> bouncing them. It's somewhere in between. But yeah. when you see it done right, oh. and I, I hate to say it because I'm not this guy, a good traditional grip double stroke roll. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's oh, true. it's beautiful, man. <laughs> when you see Vinny just go, rack. Oh. Yeah. I think Vinny, I know I've said it before, he's got the perfect grip. So I think if anyone wants to examine someone's mechanics, he's the guy. Just look at every video you can find. He's he's so fluid, but yet he's not he's not loose like like keith carlock is like a like a magician with his grip it's like how's he even holding on to those sticks but right yeah and and if you try to emulate that you're in for some serious trouble i think (laughs) (laughs) but i think he's vinny's got textbook perfect hands i i I, in my opinion it's got the perfect combination of of firmness and looseness and grace and power it's all right there his left hand especially yeah i i my f- favorite hands are probably, you know, Vinny and, and Dave. I, I love, um, I mean, Dave has that same fluid double stroke. You know, I mean, Dave's a, 
loves himself some doubles. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. He's hurting into everything. Um, and, you know, like one of my favorite things about a great, great drummer when I see them play live is when I can't tell was that doubles or singles because it was so fluid. Yeah, right. And it's just like, ooh, it's just too good. But <laughs> the, the double stroke roll, the, the tough thing with it is people – not understanding the difference between the words simple and easy. It is simple. It is not complex whatsoever, but it's not easy. It takes so much time, so much dedication. And and I think that the nuances, like you said, the nuances of the double stroke roll are complex. That's the hard part is – on paper, it's like I just go right, right, left, left. How is this that so hard? (laughs) But it's the nuances to make it buttery and smooth. And then the other thing is where is that – where is your – your double stroke roll that makes it personal because you can really loosen the grip and go full zigaboo and have this kind of crunchy sloppy double that is just beautiful in its own right and then you can go too far the other way and have military doubles and have marching doubles on a drum set but somewhere in between those is where everyone lives and everyone has their own version of it you know that's Um, true and it's such a cool thing like i love when i hear somebody do a little five stroke roll on a hi-hat in a groove that's like one of those signature things where it's like, oh, I can't wait to hear what yours sounds like. We all have it. Mm. But is yours super pre- precise and almost stale? Is it just sloppy because you seriously can't play doubles, but you wish you could? <laughs> or, you know, what is it? And, and everyone has something. And and it's funny, too. Like, when you see a pro do something super sloppy, we're like, oh, so greasy. <laughs> when you see an amateur do it sloppy, it's like, dude, you got to work on your doubles. Hey, yeah, work on it. <laughs> but if, but if Steve Jordan did it, I'd be like, oh, so greasy. He's so he's so magical, <laughs> you know. It wouldn't even occur to me that maybe he can't play doubles. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. But doubles are a weird thing, especially for jazz cats, too, man. You know, when, when somebody grows up primarily playing on a, on a bop kit, they're so used to using doubles on the entire drum set. Yeah, that's true. They get on a rock kit, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this doesn't work. And it's like, not unless you're going to fully Dennis Chambers this thing. Yep. You know, you're going to you're gonna have to play on your pillows to be able to do this. So, What are some of your favorite double stroke exercises? It, it's nothing like you would – like I don't do the doubles and then hit the second hit harder. Um, I just play them as even as I can. One, one thing that I've done forever – is I play all of my numbered rolls, uh, five, seven, nine, thirteen, and I do them for like four bars as doubles, then four bars as singles, and see which one I can get to be cleaner. Hmm. You know, so it's just dug a dug a dug a dug a dug as doubles, then as singles, it kind of gets a little more stiff and dug a dug a dug a dug a dug a dug a dug, and then I try to even those two out. So back and forth, all, like my sevens, uh, my nines, every roll that I can play, I play as singles and doubles. What about you? Uh, well, I think the most effective ones are the most boring ones, like um, like the the really classic marching double stroke pattern: one e, a two, and a e and four and one e uh-huh. and two. I mean, doing that, I mean, I must have shed that hundreds of hours. So it's just the right hand: one e, a two, and a e and four, and then switch hands. So that oh, that oh, really oh, teaches oh, like yeah. how to really stroke them out because you can't you can't really bounce that. <laughs> We're allowed to use the word stroke here, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I just turned my head. I tried to let you have it. I said stroke them out. (laughs) I know. I know. Stroke (laughs) stroke whatever. It's all good. Anyways. Good uh, Lord. How about this? Let's go with muscle it out. Can we go with that just for now? But no, it's not a muscle thing. I mean, okay, sure, whatever, man. It's it's a stroke. It's a double stroke. <laughs> you got to effort it out. I got you. I got you, man. I to use the wrist. We on the f- You're having yes. to use primarily the wrist. So that one, I I, I shed a ton, and then uh, actually, my the, one of my teachers, who I think, had the most seamless and powerful drum roll I've ever heard. Mike Shepard. He he his snare drum is pretty loose on his drum set. Okay, so he really had all the students do the thing where you accent the second note of every double sure not not a ton but just a subtle snapping of the fingers right and that really helped me kind of understand the the importance of that second note so you can't really just let it flop i think for me i use that with students when i notice that they that the it's the opposite when i see that the they use that first stroke and then the momentum of that to get the second stroke. That's mm-hmm. when I say, okay, we have to reverse this. The other thing is I make my students um, hold the sticks n- 
all the way up towards the tip, and then they play their doubles on their forearms. So da 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 Yeah, da. okay. Um, and that allows them to engage their fingers. Because I want them – it's so funny when people – when teachers say, well, you should use more finger. It's like, yeah, mine don't work, bro. <laughs> yeah. I I can't use them until I can use them. So you're going to have to teach me how to train them before you tell me to use more of something that I don't even have the ability to do. I remember – being in like seventh and eighth grade and my teacher's saying you need to use more fingers i'm like i, I don't even know what the hell that means yeah so it's like how about you come up with an exercise that will force me to use my fingers where i won't and then it's like oh i can feel okay this is this little grippy thing going on i got it so yeah so having my students hold the sticks towards the tips hands in normal position down by their sides and then playing double strokes on their forearms the wrist initiates the stroke and then their fingers grip the second stroke uh that's that's something that i use all the time yeah i mean i guess the long and short of it is there's no short of it (laughs) you have to just that's it tons of time on (laughs) that's i think the drums would uh be a much bigger (laughs) instrument in our industry if it if it didn't take so much time but it really does it just takes time and you have to trust in the time that's the that's the big problem is people get a few hours in you know and maybe a few days a few weeks in and they think in anything else in my life, this would have happened by now. Yeah, that's so true. So this has to be Very wrong. True. And it's like, no, 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 no. This one actually, this and golf, it just takes forever, <laughs> man. Like this, there's no shortcut. You know, when when you mow a giant lawn, you put in two hours and you stand back and look with pride <laughs> at that cut green and you say, hell yeah, let's, let's, let's go putt on that thing. But when you do that with drums, you're like, yeah, I think I might be worse. It's so, the truth. I mean, it, I, I literally, I've been playing drums for going on 30 years now mm-hmm. and it's not until the last let me say a year and a half that i wasn't completely embarrassed by my playing like yeah i I'm, mean I'm, and I'm at the point now where i'm like oh you know what that doesn't sound too bad there's still some problems but it doesn't sound too bad it's nearly 30 years <laughs> and we're not talking about the same as like gigging drummer guy who has owned drums for 30 years you and i have been actually practicing yeah, like a like large portion of it. our day yeah. is built out of really trying to become better at this instrument yeah talk about <laughs> why humbling. the hell did we sign up for this this is stupid you know it's like you uh, well the thing is you see like the weckles and the vinnies you're like okay a human being can achieve these things right so i just like they just keep dangling the carrot in front of you one yep. day i'll be able to do that and i'm like man maybe one day but i can i can play billy jean with confidence now <laughs> like right i'm finally the, the thing that, that sucks is when i assume that we had the same trajectory and then i see weckle at 17 and i'm like Oh wait, you've always been like like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sucks. Because if you see me at seventeen, it wasn't very. You don't get to see the glimpse of yeah, yeah. I can see yeah. how that happened. It's like that guy was horrible. So I'm, I'm just hoping. Is, I'm hoping it's kind of like when you're in high school and some kids are really good at baseball. You know, or like when you're 13, one kid is like way better than the other kids. But then when you right. get to like senior year of high school, they kind of level out. I'm right. hoping that's the deal with with. With when us. we're senior citizens, yeah, we're chasing. <laughs> when when their skills deteriorate to the point, we'll be like, right, yeah, I can, oh, I can finally yeah. play that double stroke roll. <laughs> Sweet. So our, I guess the greatest moment of our life is seeing Vinny and Dave with either a cane or a walker at Nam. And we'll be like, it's our time. <laughs> it's our time. Terrible. The hits. <laughs> well, dude, I'm talking like they're in their like 90s. <laughs> And we'll be in our, what, like 70s, and we'll be like, yeah, all right. Yeah, too bad we're already being superseded by the Matt Gartskas of the world. They're already there. (laughs) Jeez Louise. Goodness gracious. Well, he's not too good. Holy (laughs) hell. I I can't wait till we're covering Matt next week, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about Matt I can't wait. I have some good stories. All right. Good stories. (laughs) All right, well, let's get into our featured artist. It is the late, great Clyde Stubblefield. Uh, If you guys don't know who Clyde is... Uh, which I'm assuming you all do. But if you don't, uh, you would have seen his picture on almost everybody's page on Facebook in the last couple of weeks. Because um, do you know when he passed? Was it? Gosh, I think it was like a, it was over a weekend. Last weekend, I guess, maybe. Right. Like and uh, I mean, he, obviously just an absolute legend, um, not only as a drummer, but as a person. I don't know anyone that ever had any kind of meetings with Clyde that didn't just come away beaming. Um He's just one of the greats for sure, and he'll yeah. be missed. But at the same time, I don't see it as being sad as far as, man, we all have a finite time here. And it can be judged by how many people you touch, how many people you influence, what kind of legacy you left behind. And I can't imagine there's a lot of drummers out there that have l- left a bigger legacy than Clyde Stubblefield. I mean, mm-hmm. this is... 
and and I'm not thinking even really drumming. I'm thinking about non musicians dancing in their kitchen while making breakfast. 20 years ago. I'm talking about people that used his grooves to dance to at their weddings. I mean, this guy influenced people's human beings' lives. He made the world better by playing these grooves that just made you feel good. You know, you were happy. You don't you don't hear a Clyde Stubblefield groove and think like, "Oh, I got to call my mom." Yeah. Like <laughs> you dance, like you feel good. You go, "Man, I want to play drums." So yeah. it's like yeah. I I mean, I put up a thing on on <clears throat> Instagram saying like, "I I'm I'm just excited that I was alive during his time. I'm I'm glad that yeah. I didn't have to research. I'm glad that I got to see him through 20 cymbal stands at Nam and be like, "Is that freaking Clyde Stubblefield? <laughs> oh my god!" And then it's like, and, oh, I'm yeah. not going to go meet him. And you got to think like, I don't know when he joined James Brown's band and what phase it was, but I'm assuming it's when James was still kind of doing more of a soul thing. So. Clyde yeah, was, was there. And, yeah, he was there during the soul era, and then he was there when James Brown, event, you know, basically invented funk. So he was right. he was part of that. So he was a major player in soul. He was a major player in the creation of funk. And then we would have no hip hop if it wasn't for the breaks that Clyde played. I mean, right? I mean, maybe it's not true. They were using some drum machines, but largely they were sampling james brown drum breaks which were clyde and jabbo and all those guys so to be a yeah. significant and drum and bass so that's four genres that clyde stubblefield has his fingerprints on Man. and i'm sure there's more that's Absolutely. insane what an insane career uh, unreal man and it just never got old you know every time you go back and and try to play the funky drummer you just go like eh, i can't play it like that i <laughs> no. still can't play it like that what an elusive and, groove so oh. elusive man i watched um so i don't know if you saw the thing that minel did where they had they took jabo and um clyde and uh put them together this was like only a few years ago and and then they had sput interview them and everything oh, anyways no. that's cool it was a really cool thing and so when i did the camp two years ago with sput he played the funky drummer and he was saying and he recounted the whole story of clyde telling him like what it was like to have to play that groove and he wrote that groove and it was a total workout for himself mm-hmm. but james there is no click track james counts off the songs every night <laughs> and if james is on fire then that song is going in <laughs> and Clyde was saying man there were nights where i thought my arm was gonna fall off it just oh, he man. counted it off too fast and that groove and that groove you cannot play that groove with two hands yeah. it, the nuances are in playing it with one hand all the ghost <laughs> notes so yeah it was i mean it never even occurred to me that somebody as great as James Brown was in an era where no one was on a click. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, deep up. Oh. <laughs> you just and, go. It's like, you oh, know yeah, this they movie. probably played it 10, 15 minutes straight. I mean, that's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, James is talking and, like, you know. Claude was probably should... looking over at Jabbo, like, come on, man, take over. Take somebody, over. Somebody. Can you play the E's and us? I'll just play the eighth notes. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, I, I think that. The funky drummer, I don't know, man. I, I'm trying to think what my my Clyde groove was because it definitely wasn't the funky drummer. The funky drummer to me was homework. Yeah, and it wasn't till way later in my life that I really appreciated it for what it was. But it was it was almost one of those things. It's almost like Wipeout, where people just assume, well, you know it, right? Like you have to play it. <laughs> right. It's like. I don't, it wasn't my thing, man. Yeah, and it's so, got a drummer in the title, you must know it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <clears throat> it's like, yes, I know that. I know the fill to in the air tonight, and that's all I know. And wipe out, yeah. and a little bit of Hawaii Five O. Sing, sing, um, sing, and I got a Davida. Those are the other ones I get all the time. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say, ain't it funky now? That's kind of my jam. Um, I liked a little bit of the slower, greasier stuff, you know. Um, and I'm not saying these are the most influential ones, but that one, yeah. Um, I think because like say, oh, I think ahead. one of the most wicked ones is I got the feeling with the left hand going freaking yeah. crazy in the second half of the phrase. I can't. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been able to play that one with any kind of confidence. You know, I don't know what it is about his grooves, but there's something with people like him and Jeff Picaro where I actually and it's not the same as you because I know you've actually put in the time on the stuff. I, I, it's almost like a fear factor where it's like ah. I don't want to fail, so I'm not going to try, right? Um, <laughs> and I just leave it alone. And I know that really putting in that five-year yeah. period of life where all I do is work on James Brown tunes and Clyde's grooves and Jabo's grooves, yeah. 
I know it would benefit me massively, but it was, it's kind of like, I'm never going to do it as good as they did and they did it. So let's just listen to it, you know? Um, but I mean, at the same time, I've definitely put in, I've definitely put in my James Brown time just because you have to teach it. So many yeah. people come to you and say, I want to learn funky drummer. I want to learn cold sweat. Um, yeah. I had the, uh, like I said, I think it was the 20 greatest hits that came out in the mid nineties. And that was mm-hmm. like, that was in my Walkman daily. I mean, whenever yeah. I would just sit down at the kid, I'm like, all right, let me, let me try to get the groove to this song down. Uh, Cold Sweat is probably my favorite with that delayed yeah. backbeat in the first bar. I think that I could be wrong, but I think that was kind of innovative. No one was delaying the backbeat that's, like that. No. And that's what gave us the drum and bass feel, right? Yeah, right. And that one's that achievable. Group. I think that one anyone can sit down and, and practice to. Funky Drummer, I think, is, is frustrating. I got, I got the feeling for me it's going to be like my deathbed song like can i play right. that freaking song yet because it's just so the left hand is just going crazy and the fact that these cats you know both clyde and jabo had no lessons no they didn't go to drum school they didn't go to music school right they just played man and it's like there's something about that that's just so elusive i mean I feel the same way about Zigaboo, where it's just like there's just something elusive about it where it's like ah. that's why when you said um i got the feeling you can hear most of the notes so you can actually figure it out on your own. Yeah. Where with Funky Drummer, you're like, is that a ghost? Is that a hi-hat? Is that an yeah. open? It's because he's playing so um, light. That's the other thing that makes I these know. grooves really difficult. I mean, you can, if, you, if you're crushing the snare, it's a little bit easier to, to play these things. But they're, he's not crushing. He's playing really light. No. So the difference and, between the ghost notes and the accents aren't, isn't that huge. Right. But yet it's well, really and the, clean. And the difference... Uh, I guess sonically between his ghost notes and his quiet hi hats, hi hat hits isn't mm-hmm. that different because he's got those soft old school hats. Yep, and a little so, bit of left foot opening that's like barely audible. Uh, I mean, it's so much yeah. little stuff happening. <laughs> Patent leather shoes tapping on the floor of the studio. Like, yeah. There's so much going on. Oh, yeah. Ah, that's awesome. Well, guys, please take your time out and do yourself a favor. Just listen to some James Brown stuff, and then you guys can just go on Wikipedia and find out if it was. Jabo, or if it was Clyde, or if it was both of them, and just just find out. I mean, this stuff really changed the world. Like Mike was saying, I mean, there's complete genres of music that rhythmically are built around these two guys' grooves. And once again, it needs to be noted that as influential as this man was, and as much as every drummer on the planet has taken something from him, he still was one of the nicest guys that we ever had in the industry. So, yeah, exactly. Um, you can be a titan of your industry and still be a kind human being, and he proved that for sure. So check out Clyde Stubblefield. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. From Clyde over to Turkey. <laughs> That's right. Checking out some gear review stuff. So these are the Istanbul Mehmet X-ray special effects symbols. Yes. Um, uh, this was their uh, foray into the, you know, drill a bunch of holes in the symbols sound, <laughs> which... <laughs> That's got to be an awesome meeting, right? Like, hey, you know those uh, things that we've worked generation after generation to make gorgeous and amazing, incredible? Can we just drill through them? It's just yeah. like, yeah, how big? How big of a hole do you want to put in it? And then, like, you know, they're, like, in Turkey having this meeting, and somebody's like, so why do you want to do that? Uh, in America, they want that. Yeah. They, yep. they want, yeah, can we they do want that? broken symbols. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, yeah, I guess. All kidding aside, I mean, it's a sound that, that's being, you know, it's a funny, the holy symbol sound, when I hear other people play it, I'm like, Dang, that's really cool. It whenever I play them, I just don't they don't really suit my taste. I don't know why. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not no, sure why I, I it is. They sound good from afar, but something about up close for me, I'm missing it's, it's, something. It, it no, I mean I think it's just the way you play and the way that what we're trying to get out of our instrument and then I don't wish I could grab an 18 or a 20 of one of these and put it on Steve Jordan's kit, but I would run to Richard Spaven's kit with one and put yeah. it on his. Yeah, right. So it, yeah. it really just depends on your style. Um, they are fantastic at, at what they do for sure. So are these – I'm on their website right now, but are these like top-level symbols? Oh, yeah. I mean or, it's, it's, okay. it's the um, – they don't – I don't think Mehmet makes anything that's not 
they just make B twenty or B twenty five. I'm not sure what Got their it. alloy is. Everything they make is just legit full. It just is traditional Got symbols. It. So they they have three versions of it. The random is um, kind of the most. Uh, well, it has the, the biggest and most holes in it. I think I didn't count them. Maybe the other ones had smaller holes, but there's big holes, like large holes, and then medium sized holes all throughout. Then there's the multi, which has a lot of small holes, kind of more like what yep. Zildjian's doing. And then they have the uh, X-ray six, which has six big holes, sort of like the ozone that Sabian's doing. And they all offered a you know a completely different sound. The, the random. Um, they were actually surprisingly smooth sounding, uh, but they're all they're all fast, trashy, kind of gnarly effects. Now, that, did you have any of them in high hats? Yeah, they sent because um, the random and the multis come in hats, right? Yeah, they sent the multis. I believe in addition to the fourteens, I got some sixteens, which were really kind of neat. They have that. I like the holy hi hats are cool because they sound like a broken drum machine hi hat sample. Yeah, for That's sure. That's kind of like all they do. You can't really like spang a lang on them or do anything no. like that. <laughs> Get your popcorn. But if you're going to like go for a, you know a Daru Jones or someone like that's that's playing hip hop style on live drums, these are these are cool. They sound broken, but not you know not completely. Uh, they still have some tone to them. Cool. Um, so they're all cool. I think. Um, I think everyone needs to have some crazy stuff in their symbol bag. I mean, I was saying that these don't necessarily satisfy my aesthetic, but if if given the opportunity to play electronic music, I would definitely have these in there. Right, and in, uh, and in fairness to Istanbul, like when you say these don't satisfy your aesthetic, they don't in Sabian, Paiste, Minor, no, or just, either. just the concept of a symbol. Just the concept, with holes right? In it. Yeah. So I mean, but you have reviewed Pisces version of this stuff. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. done the the sand, uh, the trash crashes from Minel back yep. in the day. Are are these awesome at what they do? Yeah, I mean, I think um, they are. I would say they're they're just similar. I mean, because okay. they're probably closer to the Minel and the uh, the Zildjian special drives, which we'll talk about later, than they are sure. to the Pisces. Because the Pisces I checked out were the B8 bronze, so they were right, right, right. a different sound, a little bit sure. trashier, a little bit brighter. So these still have some of that kind of like warm undertones. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I listened uh, to some samples of these. I haven't heard you play them yet, which I will hear shortly. Uh, but uh, I listened to some samples of them, and they in the minor world they reminded me of the um, the vintage series because they have the whole sandblasted series. These are a little yeah. more buttery. In that trashy sound. Exactly. So. Exactly. Awesome. So we're going to just, instead of listening to all three, because I think the recording is like three minutes long. Right. The first set on the video demo, which is on, it'll be in the show notes. It's also on moderndrummer.com. That is the random series. So I think that's the 16-inch hi-hats and maybe a 16 and an 18-inch crash. Well, let's give it a listen. Okay, so you got wow. to hear them finally in the show. So what was yeah. your immediate response? Those are awesome, man. Uh, they, they actually are butter, butterier. <laughs> more buttery. <laughs> more buttery. <laughs> they, uh, they contain no trans fats. No, they, they sound great. Um, but they, they are pretty smooth. I love the hi-hats when they're not open. Yeah. Love them. Yeah, they yeah. sound fantastic. So I would probably use those as some X-hats off to my right and keep mm-hmm. them clamped down. Like no extra pedal or anything. Yep. Um, 
And then the crashes, I think, yeah, man, I, I would use, did you say you had an 18 and a 20? I think it's a, those were a 16 and 18, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So I'd probably put that 18 over to my right as my effect symbol in place of a China. Mm-hmm. And it sounds crashy. It's right in between China and crash. So I, I think those are awesome. And as a minor guy, I have all of the trash crash symbols. I, I think they're definitely up there quality wise. I mean, it would just be if you are like uh, an Istanbul guy and fan or girl and fan, then it's like, cool, you guys offer that thing that I've been looking for. I don't have yeah. to buy it in a different company now. So yeah, I think exactly. that's awesome. No, they sound great. Um, your playing wasn't too bad either. <laughs> that was an old 68 Ludwig kit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Got that little, I liked it, little uh, bio bass drum happening. Dude, yeah. your bass drum sounded great. Yeah, what was that? That's a that's a 20-inch 68 Ludwig with the original single-ply heads on it. I haven't changed What them. did you have for a beater, though? A wood beater. Man, yeah, dirty, dirty. <laughs> I like it. it. Sounded good, man. Yeah, th- those sound fantastic. So, guys, you can just go to Istanbul Mehmet M E H M E T dot com, and then this this line that we are talking about is called the X Ray line. So, Istanbul Mehmet dot com. Uh, check out the symbols, and then uh, you would go to X experience range and then all the way down to the bottom to the X-ray line. And you can check those out there and you find a dealer. All right. It is time to get into some of your listener questions. We only have time for a couple because as I mentioned before, I got to get on a plane to England. So it is lightning round, lightning round. Okay. So first one comes from bill. He says, can you speak to how the beginning slash novice drummer can anchor the rhythm section when playing with more experienced players? What are the expectations from the veteran musicians? Uh, what should the expectations for the novice drummer be? Um, how is it? You know, basically, he's asking the same question. So, yeah, what? <laughs> how can a beginner novice drummer anchor the rhythm section when playing with more experienced one, players? One sentence: less is more. Yeah, exactly. Less is more. Like, honestly, <clears throat> if you just did this. Every bass player can play whatever the hell they want. Like, but if you start going bump to game, but don't don't chick it it's game over. So less is more. Just really, really think about Steve Jordan. Less is more. Yep. And my my two cents would be: if you're the beginner novice, you shouldn't be the anchor. Let the bass player be the anchor. Listen to him. Let him guide you. Sit on top of his groove and don't slow down. Or her. <clears throat> His or hers groove and don't slow down. <laughs> My last bass player was uh, a female, so that's why. I was, <laughs> and she was the anchor. She was the she she knew she was much better at time than I was. All right, next. Okay. Uh, that you know what that one's gonna take forever. Next. <laughs> <laughs> this one's from Caleb. I've been playing drums for over twelve years, but lately it just seems harder and harder to play, mainly due to having space in our house and the mm. noise. Um, I really miss playing music, but I'm considering learning to play bass. Uh, do you think this is a good idea, or should I try to find somewhere in the house to still have my drums or buy some of the Zildjian low-volume cymbals and Remo silent stroke heads? I think it's all of the above. Yes, I agree. Um, I just set up my drum set in a new house, and so it's in our office, and I used my 18-inch Gretsch uh, new classic, so you could just... Uh, or Catalina or whatever. Um, but I went Aquarian Super Pads on all the drums. And then I just... Um, um, actually, and I'm using the Aquarian came out with Super Pads for the cymbals at NAM. So, and um, I'm I'm literally... I mean, I can't play it like midnight, but I can play all day and it doesn't bother anybody. And that's what the door closed. And I just have it in the little corner of the house. And then adding bass into the mix would just make you a better musician overall. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think if I could do it all over again, I would have started with bass and, and added drums later. Because nice. I'm learning it now, and it's I'm able to use my drumming, my, my rhythmic control that I've learned from drumming to make my bass plan okay. But I don't have the vocabulary yet. So, right. yeah, I would say do it both. I mean, just, just make sure you're doing something creative, something in music. Um, yeah, next, I love it. next one's coming from Reto. This will be our, our third and final question. So this is uh, Reto from Switzerland. He's playing in a rock band, and he plays with a relatively light stick, a 7A, which I would say is not relatively light. That's very light. Right. Uh, it feels good to him, to me. However, in certain grooves, like the halftime shuffle, I feel that a little bit of rebound is missing. Do you suggest to go to a heavier stick 
Um, he's basically looking for insights into our thoughts on stick sizes. And I have um, – <clears throat> I'm just reviewing – just finished writing a review on the new Vic Firth uh, Modern Jazz Collection. Mm-hmm. And there's a model in there that is was designed by Jeff Ballard. It's a maple stick. It's about the 5B thickness, but it has a small barrel tip. So it gives you the light feel and the clean cymbal sound of a, of a 7A or something skinny, but it's a bigger stick that fits your hand. And I think that's that, that would be my answer. Get a maple stick that's in a 5A, 5B size. That was the exact thing I was going to say. So, um, yeah, and maple is where it's at. All right, let's go to our picks. Picks of the week. Well... My pick is something that will allow you to sit on the couch, and everyone loves that. So it's a Netflix show. Uh, if you've heard me re- recommend Chef's Table a million times in a row, it's a little similar to that. The show is called Abstract, The Art of Design. And so instead of uh, doing a documentary or a docuseries on chefs, they are doing a docuseries on designers. These are people that are at the top of their field for architecture, graphic design, uh, automotive industry, uh, I mean, everything you can think of, stage design, and each episode is one designer. So it really chronicles it. But when you see people design or you see people cook and you see the greatest in the world and you get real insight into their vision and their life and how they see the world, it can't help but influence how you see the drum set. It's a very creative instrument. So uh, definitely check out Abstract. It's filmed really well. It's on Netflix, but the people that they uh, kind of check out, it's just incredible. So abstract on Netflix. What about you, buddy? Mine is I've had this this old wave drum, not not the original wave drum, but I've had the You've been using it. Yeah, and it's been just sitting in a closet for for years because I just never wanted to dig out my effects racks and mess with it. But I finally just got it wired up and... So I have the wave drum, which which is a cool instrument. If you haven't checked it out, it's not a MIDI electronic pad. It's it's a weird combination of it has a like a like a contact mic or something built into it, or a piezo mic or something. So it actually picks up the audio from what you play on it. So you can play it with brushes, you can play it with mallets, you can play it with sticks, you can play it with your hands, and wow. then it uses that signal to then trigger sounds within it. So you're getting like this weird mix of synthetic sounds and and live kind of dynamics. But, you know, so it's it's really kind of like a, you know, it's more of an instrument than it is a, a, a electronic pad. Right. So I've been messing around with that, and I hooked it up to an old jam man looper, and I run it through a bunch of, like, distortion and just weird effects. I don't even know what they are that I've collected over the years. And it's been a lot of fun to first of all figure out how to get something that that actually sounds interesting out of the wave drum because it's kind of overwhelming to be like i just can hit these blips and blops and what do i what do i do with this so sure it's been opening me up creatively to try to create these rhythmic vamps that i can then loop with the jam man and then try to play over top of them when there's no click track and it's not perfectly looping it's never like a hundred percent perfect sure so i'm having to play along with them and and just try to make it feel natural and comfortable feel good so it's been a lot of well, fun and i think there's been awesome to watch man yeah it's been a, it's been a lot of fun i think i might i might have maxed out but i don't know i'll give it another week to see how much more i can get out of it but uh the new one is called the global edition wave drum global edition i think it has more world music stuff in it oh cool i have the one from a few years back that's the casing silver the new one's blue and it's just a little bit more like strange stuff a lot of and it so is wave the company no, it's wave drum. Korg. Korg is the oh, company. it's Korg. Okay, yeah. yeah. Korg that's wave it. drum. The original version, which came out years ago, was really high end, and that's the one that Will Calhoun uses when he does yep. clinics. It's got like a wood case, and you know, it's it's probably a little bit more uh, sturdy and, and stable. But I don't know if you can even find those. So right, it's worth checking out if you just need something different to kind of inspire you to you know get out of your of a rut. That's kind of what it did sure. for me. Um, but you kind of need other effects and something. Just playing the wave drum by itself, it sounds cool. But really, when you start throwing through distortion pedals and then loop it, that's when it kind of opened up. Like, oh, I can, instead of playing through a metronome, I can play along to my own patterns without that's having to awesome. program them or do anything like that. You just play them, loop them, go. So, Korg Wave Drum. 
there check you go. it out. I, yeah, it's been fun watching your videos too. So, uh, and if guys, if you don't already follow Mike on Instagram, what is your handle on Instagram? Uh, Mike Dawson Drums. Nice. And I know? am typing it in right now because I don't know it. I'm Drum Teacher Seven Six <laughs> on Instagram. So. You can keep up with us there, and you might uh, get stuck with a few astronomy videos, but you'll be all right. So. <laughs> all right, everybody, have a fantastic week. I will uh, report back next week once I uh, on my travels to England. Like I said, if you guys are out there, please come by. I would just love to hang out with you and get to meet you in person. It's my only trip uh, over there this year. So come on out to the Phoenix Theater on Saturday night at 7 p.m. in Castleford. All right, buddy. I will talk to you soon, man. Have a safe trip. Later, brother. Yep. Highland. We're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.